Hello, beautiful people. Before we get started, I need to thank another Patreon patron. Thank you, Matt Scroggins. I do not know Matt personally, but I know he has great taste in podcasts, and there really isn't anything more important in the world. Thanks, Matt. Want to get thanked on the air? Just go to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and say yes to this. It's a Hamilton reference. There are a few tiers of patronage, but they all come with access to our bonus monthly podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. Our pilot episode on Moulin Rouge is available on this feed so you can sample before you buy. This month, our movie is the greatest movie musical ever made with special guests Lee Liebeskind and Liz Maestri. That's right, we're talking about the 2003 American Idol motion picture from Justin to Kelly. If you haven't seen it, run, don't walk. It's it's absolutely incredible uh, on every level. And I can't wait to talk about it with Lee and Liz, and we're just going to, uh, it's the best movie ever. Again, patreon.com slash originalcastpod. All right, here's the show. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is an actor, teacher, maker, and mama. It's Tia Shearer Bassett, everybody. Yay. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Good. Thanks for getting all those slashes in I there. Said, well, it's at the fun. bottom of your email. It was really fun. I wanted to read that because it's hard. Not everybody has a clear picture of who they are mm. in the world, and I appreciate that greatly. <laughs> Excellent. I've been working on that, so that's good, good to hear. It's a good hyphenate. I like that. And you're here to talk about... Titanic the Musical. like the added the musical <laughs> not the movie yes not i usually the boat. have to do that in the world so both will come up the both the boat and the and the, I should, definitely the boat will come up i'm um, sure so how did titanic come into your life oh man i you know i've uh, <laughs> Since we've been scheduling this lovely date, I've been trying to remember. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I certainly have memories of, of I, I know I discovered it pretty early on, for, which for me was late high school. Um, and I just have these beautiful, distinct memories of of listening to it with another buddy, um, like both of us laying on our, a bed together, you know, and just like listening to this album and being so moved by it, you know? <laughs> wow. And so, um I mean, I was a I was a drama kid, you know, mm-hmm. so we we've sort of had our finger on the pulse of the musicals of the day, and Rent was the big thing. It sure was. You were out when I was before. in high school. Mm-hmm. Me too. So all the kids love that, and I thought it was super cool too. But um, I also tend to have a little streak of like eschewing what is popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely felt this need to find something that felt more like it was my own and my discovery. Uh, and somehow that was this. Like I don't know hmm. if I found it or if a oh I think I found it. On the Rosie O'Donnell show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she had them on. She, she usually had, them had sing yeah, she something. had all kind of cast on. And yeah. I w- it, it like floored me, and I and I looked it up immediately and bought it, and then like shared it with a friend or two, and mm-hmm. it was like our thing for yeah. a while. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's a good story. Did you get to see it when it was in its original run? Yes. Oh. Um. So right, I found it at the end of high school, and then I went up. I went to school. I went to college in New York. Um, and. 
uh, maybe my second year uh, at, at NYU, a friend knew I loved this musical, a new friend from college. Um, and she got it. She got me tickets for uh, as oh, a gift. Wow. Um, I don't know if she, it was one of those, like, she stood in line. Yeah, she must have, because no, it was TKTS. those front row, yeah. like, $25 oh, yeah. mm-hmm. rush tickets. Gotcha. So front row. <laughs> so Very nice. The whole cast could see me weeping <laughs> <laughs> at, like, various points. <laughs> that would have been late in its run, too, I think. Probably. Right? I know it yeah. was. It was still the original cast. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe it was. It was. So that was either. Well, it opened in April of '97 and closed in March of '99. So you would have had to have been. I probably was there in '99. I wonder if they. Oh, they might have come back at the end. You mean the? Uh... Uh, well, I I was. I went up to school in fall of '98, mm-hmm. um, and maybe it was in my freshman year that I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that would make sense. Yeah, but uh, hmm. I have. I was actually trying to dig up the picture for you. I looked up. I found my old <laughs> scrapbook, but I don't know where this picture was. But she took a picture of me with uh, the woman who was my favorite cast member, oh. um, Victoria Clark. Um, and, and I'm standing next to this poor woman, and my face is like purple pink. Like it looks like I've beaten myself up. <laughs> I just was so moved by the whole thing. Um, and you know, I've. I was listening to some of your, uh, to like parts of some of your archives, you mm-hmm. know, it was so fun to hear people talk about these, these things. But um, uh, I, I heard Michelle Polera say that mm-hmm. this was like the first, well, the one she was talking about, Avenue Q, was like the first musical that she heard the music of and then got to see, mm-hmm. you know, and it happened in that order. Um, and I, I think that was the same thing with this for me. Like I saw this tiny little scene that was played out on the Rosie O'Donnell show and then I got the, the score and just fell in love with that and knew it so well, like knew it by heart by the time I got to then see it. And so like it had been built up for me and um, and it did not. Oh, God, it did, did not, not disappoint. Let down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this year has come up a few times on this show. Um James uh, Finley did The Life, which was out at the same time. Huh. And we've talked about Chicago, which got the revival, which is still running, which opened this same season. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I saw that, too. So this is Beebe. like a seminal. Oh, you saw that with BB? Oh, yeah. oh, I saw it. It was like 2003. Tay Diggs was Billy Flynn when I saw it, which wow. was pretty great. Um, and then a couple people who turned up in the movie, in the chorus, were like in the leads, which oh, was pretty fun. neat. Yeah, it was a pretty neat experience to go to the what movie and be like, I saw you do that. Um, well, if you saw BB, you saw the dad from Growing Pains. Oh, he was um, Billy yes, Flynn. yeah. Uh, oh, Alan, uh, Alan, Alan Thick. Rickman. Alan Thick, not yeah, Alan Rickman. he was Alan great. Thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was an early replacement for that. Yeah, that was a great. That's uh, a fun show. Oh my god! But we're here to talk about Titanic. Yes, it's true. Um, it was. I, I remember the show. Yeah. So you and I are the same age. Um, Yay. So I recall when this show came out, um, and it being, I will be honest. Uh-oh. Well, no, no, not, not <laughs> the thing. Like I found, I got so distracted by something I get often distracted by, which is the fact that this movie came out the same time the movie came out. The I was trying to do that math. Yeah. And it, I was like, literally the same, literally concurrent. The same year. The same year. Wow. And we're both big. I mean, Titanic, yeah. the movie won the Oscar for best picture. Yeah. This won the Tony for best musical. Yeah. They were, they were huge things in their own worlds. And I got very distracted by that. That's hilarious. And I kind of can't let it go. I, I no. get like, well, like when we, you'll remember this because we're the same age. That um, It was the year that Deep Impact and Armageddon I movies was think, came out. I was out, just thinking that. Which is like either the year before or the year after this. Like yeah. these, and it's happened a few times where like two big things on the same mm-hmm. subject get released 
at, or like when both versions of, of Wild Party came out at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go, I get so lost in like, why did that happen? I kind of can't enjoy any of the <laughs> oh, like yeah. actual art of it because I see both. And then I go, you, you're comparing and contrasting all the time. I don't know. I, I get lost. It's also funny to me that this happened because it's the second time it happened to Maury Yeston. I don't know if you know about this. Uh-uh. He, our composer and lyricist, he also wrote a musical version of Phantom of the Opera. At the same time that Andrew Lloyd Webber's version oh, came out. Goodness. Now, they didn't open in New I don't know that his his Phantom has ever played in New York. Um, there is a cast album for it. It's well. just called Phantom. I got it by accident because I asked for Phantom. Oh, and so funny. I got Phantom, right. not the Phantom of the Opera. Phantom, um, period. It's pretty good. Uh, but it's just so funny to me that this seems to have happened to him twice two very different things yeah but he's had two musicals open i think it worked probably to titanic's advantage yeah this more time than yeah, disadvantage yeah. it certainly closed out his version of phantom that's though. hilarious See, uh, so he he had it coming he needed something he needed yeah <laughs> had, uh, well he, done right. he wrote time. nine he'd done fine okay, i think mari Eston's okay yeah <laughs> um but so there is a, a big difference between the two and so for those who don't know and I, they should not get these things mixed up can you summarize sort of the plot of titanic or at least the approach this takes to the story of the Titanic more uh, as a pair compared to the film. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, you don't have, there's a lot of characters. You don't have to go into everybody. Yeah, but. yeah. Uh, oh, gosh. So I was trying to uh, remind myself of, because I deeply love this thing, but the mm. way my the way my brain works, I have always worked, I'm sort of, uh, I remember impressions, right? So if I can read a book. And then immediately afterward, if you ask me what it's about, I'll be like, oh, oh God. But I can tell, mm-hmm. I can like walk you through how it made me feel and sure. like how it made me see the world while I read it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about this piece too. So I was, I was trying to remind myself of like th- little things that actually happen. Um, and something that I think to me helps summarize the piece is um, there's this, uh, a song that begins with, with a, like a single woman saying what she hopes for when they reach America. And then it, it like kind of bursts open into, you know, a, a couple people join her and then and then all these individual voices and then they all come together telling like what their big dream is, mm-hmm. you know, once they reach America and then it comes back down at the end. And so instead of ending in this big swell where it could have ended, it, it comes purposely back down to her and you get one more bit of her story um, and you learn that she's pregnant on this trip Mm -hmm. and so she's hoping to go to the new land and have her child there where she has better opportunities and like that to me is what they try to do with that whole with the whole piece is take this gigantic story and bring it back to like the the individual people that were affected that each had whole lives Mm -hmm. and a huge reason that meant so much to them for taking this trip you know um which i think frankly the movie does too but the movie does it really i mean through one love story yes where the the musical follows um follows a a handful of people in in each class Mm -hmm. um and tells their stories and strings them through the, the mo- this musical does what I wanted the movie to do, mm, frankly. Mm. I, I was so bored <laughs> by the movie <laughs> because of the love story, because the parts that I liked were the... I like A Night to Remember. I don't know if you've ever read the uh, book or yes. seen the movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, and this does that. This is sort of... It's a lot of different people who are mm-hmm. on the ship, and it, it certainly has some through lines, but it's mostly, tragically, about the future. And yeah, people yeah. talking about things that are going to happen mm. when they get where they're going and when their lives continue. And then, of course, most of them don't make it. Yeah. And the the movie is a sort of a romantic schlock story oh, yeah. framed with this historical device. And the visual effects are stunning, of course. But 
whatever it, they were pretty much in the show too <laughs> judging by the video and the picture i've seen uh, yeah so this this is much more what i wanted from the movie and i was mm. much happier to hear in the show which is uh, like you say we get first class we get the the people who want to be in first class who are in the I guess second class, mm-hmm. I don't know what you call mm-hmm. that. We get the people who are in steerage. We get the people who work on the ship on all levels. And yeah. in this sort of rush, you get a general sense of everybody who was on the ship using sort of representative samples. Yes. And yeah. through that, you get... And there's sort of the only really running through story, I guess, is of the captain, the guy who owns the company, and uh, Michael Severus as the, uh, the designer of the ship. Um whose name I can never remember, played by, he's played by Victor Garber in the movie. I know, yeah, yeah. And who's the, uh, who's the uh, Mr. Andrews. Is that is who he that the, is? the architect? I can't, the cast list on Wikipedia breaks it up in such weird, I'm trying to find Michael Severus's <laughs> name. There it is. Yes, Andrews, Thomas Andrews, who designed the ship. Um, who's listed as a first class passenger on this list. Anyway, hmm. I would thought he would have been crew and staff, but that's fine. So, yeah, with Captain Smith, Mr. Andrews, and, um, uh, Ismay, who's the director of the White Star Line, and the three of them have a couple scenes of tension mm-hmm. before and after the ship starts sinking. About They have a, a wonderful song, I think, which is something that the movie doesn't have at all. And actually, I don't think Night to Remember has it at all. Something I really liked, which is um, The Blame. Who called for speed and to break every record? Who had to keep all the millionaires happy? How dare you, Smith? I will not stand here indicted. Who ignored warnings of icebergs when sighted? Who, sir, refused to extend up the bulkheads? You, sir, to give the first-class bigger stateroom? And who undermined the position of captain? And who took a course to far north for the season? And who kept insisting we land ever sooner? And who should have a close-hand for our housing gorgeous and bulkhead it? Who did it? Who did it? Who did it? Who did it? In the film Titanic, and also I think a little bit in Night to Remember, it's sort of like Ismay is the villain, Mm -hmm. and Andrews and Smith are sort of the hapless folks who were sort of, it was Ismay's fault, demanding certain things, and they had to meet his demands. But that song really does a nice job of being like, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, Like, you're right, he, it's probably more Ismay's fault than anyone, but the Captain Smith didn't have to increase speed. Right, And Andrews could have fought back on designing the lower decks. I'm not 100% sure of the physics of this, but the lower decks in such a way that the the bulkheads were poorly spaced or something, which is why the ship filled with water so quickly. Um, so that fight does a really nice job of Ismay like, pushing back. You get to see a yeah. little bit of his point of view. Um, and I liked that. Because it was it's a nice thing of the... The not the for problem with a musical like this is the foreknowledge that everyone's going to die. Right. It's a little bit. Harrison Smith was just here talking about parade, and I have a lot of trouble listening to that show because mm. you just know it's all going to go so badly yeah. and be a horrible travesty. And this is a little hard for me in the same direction of just like I I'm, I know I'm just meeting this character because they're going to die later. Mm. Like that's the reason you're introducing me to this character. The song that kills me <laughs> is Brian Darcy James's song. Um, is it the proposal?
or when he's dictating the telegram. Yeah, yeah. To his, his well, that one, fiance. and you get the the and telegram the telegraph, tele- right? The yeah. telegraph operator, yeah, who's the the sort of unsung hero of this oh, whole God, thing. He's yeah, so beautiful. tragic, tragic man, uh, doing his job like right up until the very end. Mm. Um, but you just know that Brian Darcy James isn't going to make it. You just you just know it. <laughs> he can't he can't make it. He works in the bowels of the oh, ship, I know, I and know. he's a man, so he wasn't going to get on the boats anyway. And Wait, he's lower class. Yeah. Don't you find like you still want to see like what do they do? You know, like who like maybe he'll be the one though that saves a bunch of others or you know. Oh like, sure, I don't know, yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. There I is. I still a... have hope that there's some. There's like right. Is there maybe going to be some goodness for any of them? Oh you sure. Know? Like I watch. I I remember going into it like with that hope you know mm-hmm. yes i know how it ends <laughs> but like like <laughs> who how are how is everyone going to be in those final moments you know like yeah. what what goodness can that's come true from any of that and it does a really good job of that at the end of sort of everybody on deck there is also great irony in this show i mm. like there's the scene where the first class passengers are all waiting in the lounge and mm. then the second class passengers show up because they have to there's nowhere else yeah. to put them and how put out the first class passengers are about mm-hmm. like, because they don't think this is an emergency yet. Yep. And it's that terrible irony of like, this isn't like, you're you're all in a lot of trouble and they don't know. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of willful ignorance, but there's also, they don't know. Nobody knows. like And, and they're certainly being lied to by oh, yeah. whoever that guy is um, who's telling them like, no, it's no big deal. It's just matter of protocol. You have to put this this life jacket on please put the life jacket on and right y- yeah you're but all... isn't it different but like this and this is where i haven't listened to the full the full thing in a while but didn't they they go down to third and they're just like things are bad oh yeah but, like third mm-hmm. nose you yeah. know like, oh yeah because the, whoever the more gets, doomed whoever tells you are them. yes the, the, the <laughs> like, worse off you are in the yeah the more right. they're being very but honest with first with it's still like oh just you know we're just testing these it's, fine. it's no big deal <laughs> and there's some a lot I, I also there's a lot of real people in the first class scenes that you know i mean there's asters google Guggenheim's, yeah. Thayer's, like they're all, yeah. Ms. Victoria Clark in her role lists them all for you as they get uh, on. That was, oh, right. She does oh, the that's roster. Right. Oh, I love yeah. that. How like star it's obsessed great. she is. Yeah. That's so much fun. Benjamin Guggenheim and party will find his customary suite on a deck. Made his money by smelting gold, spends it like water. $4,500 for the Louis Quatorce suite so he can live in luxurious sin with his latest mistress. And they call that justice. They call that justice. Mr. and Mrs. George Widener may proceed to promenade suite B51. He's the richest man in Philadelphia. Mr. and Mrs. John B. Thayer and family, promenade suite B58. Vice President of the Pennsylvania Railroad. Yes, Alice Bean, right. Who are based on real people, though they changed their names. Mm. I'm not sure why. Um, Edgar and Edward Bean, in real life, they're... Edgar, Ed, Edward and Ethel Bean in real life. They're Ethel. Edgar and Alice. They made it Alice. How Bean. funny, huh? I don't know if it scans better. <laughs> yeah, who knows about these things? <laughs> they're, they're great characters. They're a lot of fun, even in the face of sort of... But their characters are like, because you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know how they're going to yeah. turn out. You know what I mean? They're the characters. I'm like, they could really go either way. And so you are sort of rooting for them. Yeah. And they both make it, right? Um. I don't remember. I think they do. I think they both. But I'm scared to find out. <laughs> I, I know she does. I'm pretty sure he's, I'm going to click this. That was my fast. recollection was that she and made it, but maybe I, they both do. I think he jumped in the water. I think he was one of the guys. There were several people. Yes, he did survive. There were mm-hmm. several people. Though I think they, most of these people died not long after getting to shore because of the terrible shock to oh, their gosh. systems. Um, not, I mean, like a couple years later, but they, 
there were several men who, after all the lifeboats were in the mm. water, just jumped just in the jumped water in the and Might as well. sort of hung on or were pulled into boats that weren't totally... Because a lot of boats went down early that were not full um, in the panic. You know, mm-hmm. it was the later yeah, boats yeah. that were like loaded and loaded. Ugh. And also the boats that almost like land... Like there was several lifeboats that almost dropped on top of other lifeboats because of, I mean, the sheer panic of what mm-hmm. was going on. I mean, 1,500 people died in this you know not a small number yeah and so you can imagine it was kind of panicky do you i love that you brought up that um the blame that song the blame because it makes me think of my son is has recently become um obsessed with the the story of the titanic and i think he read it in like a a little kids magazine or something Mm -hmm. and in this magazine or this book from a library there's this whole spread about all like all the different things that led up to this mm-hmm. and how no it wasn't just one or Not two at all. or even a handful of things there was something like we brought up the the um tele is it telegram or telegraph well it's a telegram it's a, sense it's a telegraph machine. okay the telegraph yeah. operator mm-hmm. um he wasn't receiving messages of warning about a certain route because right. he was trying to send out all these loving messages from all the people on board which yeah. they said they would do as a service to everyone mm-hmm. you know and so it was like, just him there was only one telegraph right. on the ship which is Bananas. Even something as small as that, like if they had received this notice, they would have known not to go that way. You mm-hmm. know, like but there were so uh, so many things that led up to this. It, and they're all what's so great dramatically is that they're all acts of hubris. Literally every yes. single mistake that they made on the and real life yes. is an act of we are invincible. I have always felt like this. Like, why is this story so compelling to us? Because it is like an ancient Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is exactly why the first theater was born. Yes. <laughs> like this kind of story. And it caused, I mean, so many of the requirements of just basic mm-hmm. travel laws and regulations are because of this accident yeah. and having more than like having a tele- emergency telegraph line or emergency communication yeah. line that is open at all times, mm-hmm. having uh, regulations about speed, about pre-planned routes, about how ships are designed and about the number of lifeboats you mm-hmm. can have on the ship. All of that is because of this horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I mean, down to calling the ship unsinkable and naming it Titanic. Oh I mean, obviously God. like. I know, I know. <laughs> what were we doing? There's a great, I have to look it up, but there's a great Onion headline. The Onion oh, did, um, when they they published a book, when, I think when we were in college, uh, of like The Onion in the years past. And it was, oh yeah, world's largest metaphor hits iceberg. I mean, it's just, and it's just that. It, it's like, <laughs> and it's such a, I mean, you're right though. It is this idea of like, it's a great reminder that we are not, it's also a great reminder that we're not invincible, that is purely natural. Mm-hmm. That is, which I think is why we can observe it very much from the outside. This wasn't a war of two groups of oh, people yeah. fighting each other. You know yeah. what I mean? This was, we set out to conquer mm-hmm. the sea and the sea fought back. Yeah. And it's this one, it's this just a reminder that like things happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, acts of God, whatever you want to call them, occur and we can't. We can't control them in a way. Mm. So it's like the perfect storm, the movie, the perfect in that way. Like this fascination with you can plan all you want, and but if you act a little bit above your station, you mm-hmm. pretend you're immortal or pretend you're invincible. Right. Nature will say no. Right. No, you're not. We've it, got this. We, we're going to make this beautiful, be, elegant party on the sea. Right. And the the thing is, I mean, like you say, if they had done five little things differently, mm. they it would we this wouldn't have been a thing. The ship would have made it to New York. Right. It would have been fine. It would still could have been that big if they built up the bulkheads, if they'd had another telegraph machine. 
they maybe would have made it. I mean, right. Probably this time at least. It. Yeah, right. This time. But that's right. the thing. Yeah. If they had, it seems also clear to built. me. The way it was built and the way it was operated, mm-hmm. if they'd made it to New York, they probably wouldn't have made it back to London. Like, eventually, this ship was going to sink. Yeah. It's it's yeah. only the tragedy of it comes in the maiden voyage oh, sinking. Gosh, like, yeah. the fact that it was this huge, famous thing. All the excitement. Yeah. And it just never... The uh, the world was watching it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, it, it, everything was set up. And it sank. And it was sort of that unbelievable, you can't believe this sort of thing occurred. Yeah. Uh, it's like our like what Babylon almost. It is. You know? It is that it feels feeling. Like the yeah, tower, the, the, the Tower of Babel. Babel. Yeah, yeah. Babel. It does yeah. feel like the sort of yeah. the that the, the world reaches back, that nature reaches yeah. back and says, "Nope, yeah. <laughs> like sorry, you still got to you got to contend with us." Mm. Uh, we mentioned a few of the actors in this. This this show had a tremendous cast. Oh my goodness. Okay, so you and you brought up that you brought up Michael Servers and mm-hmm. and the the proposal. Um, Brian Darcy James. Slash, yeah, yeah. That that song. Yeah. So I don't know if you saw the. Um, I, I posted this link in honor of me coming yes. on this podcast. Did you get to see that? The video? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, mm-hmm. okay, it's this, it's what the, some random, again, we uh, random anniversaries. It was the 17-year anniversary right. of, of the premiere <laughs> of, the, of the musical. And they got right. everyone together. I think almost the full Pretty much cast. the full original cast, yeah, with a um, few few exceptions. To do a concert version of it right. uh, on Broadway again, just like one night, I think. Yep. Um, and so they had what looks like a single rehearsal. Pretty much, yes. yeah. Well, they'd done the show a lot. That's I think true. They just needed but a brush like up. years ago. Yeah, but it's I, true. But still, I can't. Be, I mean, it's stunning how that stays with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I love this. This video shows uh, it's that song, but it's in their little rehearsal room, which looks to me like a like a classroom. You know, right, and they let the course. press be in there, and so someone's filming it, and so the guys are 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 a- acting it full acting it out but like five feet behind them is their entire cast right. like squished together watching <laughs> and um i think they start the song and one of the actors behind it makes it a few lines before he starts like touching his eyes right and that's it like that's the beginning you see one by one essentially the entire cast just starts to <laughs> lose yeah. it to emotion and i love that to me that's like a melding of things it's that that song it, it truly is gorgeous mm-hmm. you know and um, so it's it's just the like, um, it's uh, a celebration of the the just the beauty of that song and that story, you know. But also it it feels like it's this nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know. It's been it's almost two decades since they'd done this, and like what all of that comes back, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 what a lovely time that must have been. I mean, I'm an actor, you yeah. know, <laughs> like to have a job that you do for. Uh, an extended period of time that you get to do and if oh my goodness if you think it's beautiful and you love it what a, that, that makes a mark on you you know so to have a reminder of it is oh it's so moving and then they, they were all together mm-hmm. and that they're all there supporting each other it just was i feel like there were a few things that led to this like beautiful emotional happening you know <laughs> just lovely to watch i think especially as an actor it really well it seems me. to me that that's a lot of the theater you do Mm. You, you, you personally. That hmm. the, I, I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, we've only done one thing together, so <laughs> I have to. And it was a reading, but a lot, a lot of. I mean, you do a lot of family theater, um, yeah. and a lot of, but group. Am I am I wrong in that sort You're of group totally devised right. and group? Yeah, productions. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about? Um, it? Yeah, you know what? In talk in explaining this right. uh, or describing this particular video and this this moment that that moved me to watch again. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I was thinking about um, Failure, A Love Story, mm-hmm. which is, that that's that show for us in town who did that, you know? <laughs> and for those people who saw it, 
um, it's it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there are a few people in town who every time I bring that up, they start to get verklempt. Like their little <laughs> eyes start to water and they weren't in it. They were watching it. You know, and certainly for those of us who are in it, it's the same thing. Like it gets us every time because it was this like perfect ensemble mm-hmm. show. Uh, and yet you're right. That's the stuff that I'm certainly drawn to. I think I'm built for. And so that's the work that tends to find me. And also I try to seek it out. And it's, this lovely marriage <laughs> where I get to do these things that are like true ensemble shows where every, every, everyone is part of it. We're all, it's like a clockwork, you know, mm-hmm. we, you move here and I counter it this way, you know, and we build the physical world of it together. I mean, failure is a, is a play that was written for five to 50 people to be in. I mean, he, Philip oh, wow. Dawkins sort of writes it that way. He's like, this is yours do with it as you will. You know, he, Mm -hmm. at the beginning, there's all this stuff that's supposed to be chorus, quote unquote, and you can break that up however you like, you know? Mm. So we came out and did it as, as our different characters. And one woman can play all the sisters or it's three separate sisters, you know, and we had three separate, but then we would come together for these group moments to support other scenes. And, um, each character that would die was still there then, but you still saw them, you know, Mm -hmm. they were still there like watching, they would watch and they would make things happen. And we were all clocks in the clock shop and, What's the show about, real fast? Just so um, that people it's know. it's a uh, it's three sisters that um, work in their parents' clock shop in Chicago in the 1920s, um, and uh, three sisters and their adopted little brother, um, and a man Mortimer Mortimer comes into the shop one day, and the the story goes that one by one he falls in love with each of the sisters, and one by one they each die. Oh, and it sounds horribly sad, but it mm-hmm. somehow is this like amazingly buoyant celebration of life and love hmm. and. Um, yeah, <laughs> you, um, uh, Helen, <clears throat> Helen Murray, who runs the Hub Theater, her daughter used to, um, when she was younger, she used to review the shows there. And, and um, uh, Ella's reviews were always our favorite, everyone's favorite to read. <laughs> and her review of this, she coined the term happy sad. It's mm-hmm. happy and sad together. Mm-hmm. They're one word. <laughs> and she was mm-hmm. totally right. This play like celebrates and makes you feel happy sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. That kind of work that's like, oh, you're, you're a, a a group and you're each important and needed and making a thing together uh, is absolutely my favorite. And I think you're right that I, I can, I can see when it, I can see it in other shows and it just like, like sparks my heart. <laughs> well, and this is a very ensemble show. I mean, even like, like it does have people in it who were known Broadway quantities when it came out, mm-hmm. but most of those people we mentioned, I mean, this was certainly Brian Darcy James's first big success yeah to my knowledge um because i think the only thing he'd done i could be wrong but i think the only thing he'd done before this was um uh carousel he was in the revival of carousel Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. two years before in the chorus i mean he wasn't in a big big part and he played this character um barrett stoker and he has several several songs oh yeah um including the closest thing this thing has to a title song which is how do they build titanic Mm -hmm. um and he is just all over the show, sort of commentating. And he has a song called Barrett's Song, sort of <laughs> in the middle of the of, of Act One. Um, and he also played this part. I mean, he played it in the originally in Broadway. He's, I think, the only member of the original Broadway cast, yeah, to go on the tour um, oh, with wow. it afterwards, and then played it, as you say, in the in the 2014 concert uh, at Avery Fisher Hall. So it's a big role for him. Yeah. And then Michael Cerveris, who was probably more well-known, but we're still only a few years removed from Tommy. Absolutely. Um, he's certainly not the star that he is now. Uh, it, it, there's these 
a lot of people in it and a lot of other actors you, you've probably heard of if you flip through the I'm not going to read them all because there's like <laughs> there's, a lot. there's like 40 characters <laughs> in this in this musical and everybody has a name that's that right. funny thing of like this is not you know it's not like all these people and then chorus there everybody has a name and everybody has something to do uh, and which I think is what we loved about is what we love about the musical right mm-hmm. like that that's how they mm-hmm. attacked the story yeah it's like no, well, they were all everyone people has and that's, a name that's yes. the point and it is, it is the point I yeah. mean it's the thing of like there is uh there's no law like there were everybody on that ship all 1500 yeah. people who died and, and the people who survived had names and stories and this musical does a really better than uh, there's a lot of movies and musicals and things that try to do that try to tell everyone's story of a tragedy and you kind of end up usually with one or two compelling stories and a lot mm-hmm. of like it's, it's hard to keep them all i think a musical is uniquely suited to that ability because like you say you can have a song i think the song you mentioned at the beginning is Ladies Made? Is that the one? Yes. Yeah, which starts and then grows big and then gets small again. I will be a proper person. People will look up to me. What a girl, that girl McGowan. Katie Violet Maud Marie. I aspire to heights of glory in the new world that can be. In that grandest nation, I'll stand tall. Reach my very highest hopes of all. You can, in a song allows you to sort of bring in characters for a line mm-hmm. that's a memorable line and then take them out again and you don't feel... Like, who is that person? Like, you can't, yeah. it's hard to step into a scene and say one thing and step out, <laughs> oh, or, you know, to have point. one moment. But then when act two hops in, the the show takes a really brave decision, I think, and goes crazy hmm. with the structure. Mm-hmm. Things become panicky. People kind of, characters fade in and out and quickly jump around. And we're not, it, it's nice. on the recording a little hard to follow. I yeah. think it, when you see it, it's probably very clear. But it also doesn't really have a finale in mm. the sort of traditional, like you say, you expect, it does have that scene at the end of them all standing on the stage, all the dead, yeah. singing to the audience, and it's beautiful. But it's a reprise. I mean, there's the reprise of In Every Age, and then got the Godspeed Titanic is kind of the end, but it's, it's sort of a theme we've heard before. Mm. The closest thing we have to a finale is uh, right before, uh, is um, Mr. Andrew's Vision, where's this sort of panicky moment where Michael Cerveris, who does these songs so well oh, he's of him pretty much dying you know mm-hmm. like he's about to die and he's trying to redesign the ship first class and third and second will mean nothing and sheer humanity alone will prevail one single class brute harsh and cross that's what will come of the world that's It's a, it is a pure moment of fiction, as I understand it, 
because there's it's it one of the things that the film the film Titanic does very well is it has moments in it that are authentic are based on testimony. So hmm. in the film, the last place you see Victor Garber, who plays Mr. Andrews in the movie, yeah. is he's in the main dining room, I believe resetting the clock there's a clock on the mantle oh, and it right. doesn't match his watch and he's yeah. re- and that is apparently according to testimony the last time he was seen wow. so somebody wit- as they were running somewhere else witnessed him resetting the clock yeah. uh and that was the last place he was seen and it's this very beautiful dramatic moment yeah. and a very filmic moment of him like just fixing this last little thing because yeah. that's his nature but that doesn't work in a musical and it doesn't really work on stage. And it really, the, I think an interesting decision because in, as we say in the, in the show, he, he's the character's given a lot more blood to mm-hmm. have this moment of just, I got to make this right. I've yeah. made a mistake and I have to make this right. And he can't, I mean, he can't fix it. Obviously yeah. the ship's going down and he's going down with it. And it's a really, it's kind of a rage against the dying of the light mm-hmm. moment that, feels very life-affirming especially for a character who is like literally about to die and then we sort of the end kind of just happens and it's like the the the, the record like my my playlist was over Mm. and i didn't notice you know what i mean it was an interesting it was a very interesting moment how the show just sort of faded away as the ship would have you know like once it goes underwater it's just gonna slowly settle on the bottom of the ocean and it's a very brave decision i think to Mm. not end it in this sort of like triumphant yeah. life-affirming like big number of you know it's like no this was sad and there's nothing yeah. much else to say about it in that sort of way i don't have a question at the end of you this know, I, I, love realized... I love that i love that i love i'm just monologuing at this point beautifully you uh <laughs> celebrate the that like brave structure choice yeah mm-hmm. i think that's lovely it makes me think too of the um i read a review that uh, I, I forget where this was but the one song that they sort of panned <laughs> Was um, the the love ballad between? Oh gosh, the, at the um, end, the famous couple that, oh, with, that with, stayed together and went down together. Uh, still, the song with yes. Ida and yeah, and Isidore. Yeah. yeah. Strauss, the Strauss, the Strausses, mm-hmm. yes, from first class. And yeah. uh, uh, how, this reviewer felt like that song wasn't terribly climactic, but I think that was a choice that goes along with exactly what you're saying. I think that's purposeful, mm-hmm. you know. And I love that as opposed to slash in, in accidental stark contrast to the film, um, the major love that you leave off with is um, is a quiet old marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones who get the big love song. Right. About like, I still feel this way about you. Which again, <laughs> in the film, I believe, is the couple we see in first class I think lying we do in the get bed them together the movie, yeah. as the water yeah. fills up over top of yeah. yeah, which again is not very like musical. You want them to have have that moment. It is that funny thing, though, of, of dealing with a show where you absolutely know how this is going to end. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like there's no... You even know some of what happened specifically to some of these yes. people. Like we've talked about, like we read, you know, the, uh, A Night to Remember. <laughs> right. We but all you saw just the know, movie. Like, it's <laughs> the Titanic. All, if, if you asked like everybody, what do you know about the Titanic? Right. The one thing, everybody knows it sank. Like it right. just, everybody knows it sank and a lot of people died. So 
unlike a show, like I keep contrasting it with Parade just because we just talked about, I just talked mm-hmm. about it. But in that, that's a story you may not know. And you also really don't like only one person died or two people died. Excuse me. Uh, but there's a lot of answers. Like we can get a lot of different points of view from the people who lived and who they were mm-hmm. and what they did. And in this, the sort of sense that like, well, pretty much everybody died. So there's a great importance in how they died. Yes. Because yes, yes, yes. while they all drown, pretty much, <laughs> it is different how they face death is a very yeah. interesting thing to watch and like you have barrett and clark who i think is is clark the telegraph operator or is clark one of the steamers gosh can't keep any of these people straight oh me neither oh he's the second class passenger sorry um barrett and clark and, and a few other people have a song right before like there's this sort of cascading finality finale once people start running to the lifeboats where barrett and clark sing we'll meet again uh, we'll meet tomorrow mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a sort of very irish afterlife kind of ballad um which then goes into your to be a captain reprise and then still and then mr andrew's vision and then we're sort Mm -hmm. of out there's this like i say this downward trajectory into quiet um and it's the sort of rousing death finale you Mm -hmm. expect and it comes right in the middle of it too Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it comes people really haven't started dying yet like we're not really in trouble yet when they start this like resignation to fate kind of finale and I can see how you may find st- songs like still anticlimactic, but I would agree with you. I think it's a more a reflection on how we see four or five different people mm. face death in very, very different ways and yeah. sort of triumphant. And then there's also the love song. The captain has this really melancholy reprise, which I would imagine is how he probably felt of just like, Wow, that that couldn't have gone worse. Kind yeah. of like it kind of feel, and the sort of brave working class Irish guys are just yeah. like, well, you know, here we go. We're fatalistic people, the Irish. And then you have Mister Andrews screaming, you know, as I say, raging against the yeah. dying of the light. The um, pen. Yes, just yeah. sort of scribbling madly. I mean, there's also something truly tragic in that because you know he can make all the drawings he wants. Yeah. It's all just going to disintegrate yeah. in in the water. It's that you know the water takes everything. Um, how did it feel when you saw it though? In that sense, I mean, is it and did you see, I, I want to ask, did you see it at Signature when it was? I didn't. Or, you know, oh, gosh, did I, I yeah. really wanted to. Apparently and I wonder what it would have been production. like. Yeah, I, well, that's what, but you yeah. only saw the, so we're just talking about the Broadway one. Yeah, stick with that. I'd only seen, yeah. That's so what did the I've finale, seen. how did that strike you as, as someone who knew the cast album, obviously, you knew pretty much what was going to yeah. happen. Well, you know, <laughs> this might be a funny answer, but um, I, um, <laughs> uh, I studied Hope. A lot in college. I'm fa- mm. I've always been um, fascinated by the idea of hope, and I went to, I went to NYU, but I didn't do Tisch. I did the Gallatin School for Individualized Studies, where you sort of make your own path through college. That does and, not surprise me at all. <laughs> too, <I> guess. <laughs> not, nothing what you just said shocks me. I loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, so you, you know, as you're you're figuring out what interests you, and the and the fact that like it's a multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm program of course so I pull from all these different things and one of the things that I studied while I was there was hope theory and hope through the lens of um theater um you know in books and stuff too and stories in general but theater of course is my big love um and so I remember writing this research paper about like how uh how hope is defined differently in each of these different kinds of plays including you know an absurdist piece and one of my other favorite musicals Man of La Mancha Mm -hmm. You know, but a, a thing that I think I already found interesting back then and certainly do now about this musical Titanic is is something that you um, you've, you're hitting on right now with this like, 
we all go into it knowing what's going to happen and that most it's not even like some of them will die like most of the people you're meeting are probably going to you know you know that you know what's going to happen why are you going to see this (laughs) you know that is something so fascinating to me about human nature that we still choose and in droves we chose to go see that certainly Mm -hmm. in droves we chose to see the movie but even this musical you know it had a decent sized run for a new broadway musical you know that's more than decent yeah won the awards you know (laughs) like people were going to see this um knowing that it was going to end in this way and like uh, signing up for it, still saying like, the, I, I want to see this story. And mm-hmm. I think it's largely because of what you say, like, how do, how do these people, how will these people face this, uh, face the ultimate, the, that's yeah. the ultimate, that is the huge thing we're all totally afraid of. But we all, it's, it's also the only thing we all share. I mean, this, mm. this, the only thing everyone's right, going to no do. Remember, no one remembers birth. So. Right. <laughs> everyone's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It, it is, and it's funny that you study you study hope theory that was that's a really interesting idea because that fascinates me mm. the idea of of the sort of logic the necessity and illogic of of hope is something mm-hmm. i was I, i've recently been kind of you know, parent parenthood makes you think about things oh cheers uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there is this yeah the the inevitability of death and how it is like you, you know you can kind of be brecht uh I was going to say Brechtian. That's wrong. You can kind of be Beckett-ish about it. And that, yeah. that's sort of the gravedigger puts on the forceps kind of image, which I think is neat, <laughs> but not very useful uh, from, as a sort of day-to-day living kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the thing of like, not a, nobody wants to talk about it, but everybody's going to face it. And, and we use things like, I think, horror movies and Mm-mm. stories like, you know, beautiful love stories that end death tragedy, things that we will not experience, mm. probably. To sort of give death a romantic, it's safer, safe yeah. view. This does not do that. No, this does not do that at all. This really, t- you know, you could drown theoretically. Yeah. Anybody could. It's a very, it's a, a simple thing, and it is. You know, you probably won't freeze to death while floating on a on a on a door uh, right. several miles away, <laughs> <laughs> just because you're. The girl you're in love with won't let you up on the door. Anyway, we don't have to we don't have to relitigate the end of Titanic for the nine billionth time. This show does a, a much better job, I think, at having a kind of a realistic approach <laughs> towards the attitudes of death. Like I say, when you get so many different people dying in many different ways. We also don't see them die. I mean, we don't really yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? There's no like shroud goes up over like there's it, it was there there was no kind of like symbolic until the end i mean when all the ghosts come out right you know what's funny is yeah i can't um i can't remember that moment but what i do remember is you know you mentioned there not being a sort of musical finale in the way that we're used to which Mm -hmm. you're right i think was purposeful um but i remember definitely in my mind what felt like a visual finale which was this dance um Mm -hmm. every character who had died was back on stage and they were um paler in my Mm -hmm. in my memory at least i think that's correct i think maybe faces were um, but in a, in a, in a, it was really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, they danced, they did sort of a waltz with each of the characters who lived, but no part of them was touching their dance mm. partner. So there was this distinct, it was really beautifully choreographed so that ev- they couldn't, which is true. They couldn't touch anymore. They were right. still there. They would always be there, mm-hmm. but there was no physical contact. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was in my mind, the, the visual finale of this 
of this piece. Of the set, yeah. I don't even know if that was actually the last thing that happened, but that was the last thing I saw, for well, sure. Well, if that's the last thing you remember, then that's yeah. sort of the last, like, most important, the most yeah. important finale part to that. What's your favorite song? Oh, golly. Um, you know, it's... Um, Can I start every day talking to you, too? It's so much fun <laughs> to talk so to you. <laughs> I think... Um, I think it is the more private parts of La- Ladies Maid. Mm-hmm. That's the one that I remember, like, oh, With years the after I first heard it, I would sing it. I would sing this, like, I will be a proper person. Mm-hmm. It was a little, I remember, like, in high school being broken up with by a boy and being on a swing in a playground at night and, like, singing this little song to myself. I don't know why. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at seventeen-year-old no, you, but that's... I laugh too. I t- oddly, I found great comfort. How did in you it? not find theater till tenth grade? I, I know, I know. <laughs> You're instant. Like if there is such a thing as a creative type, it's you. And it's just so funny that it's like this is the... <laughs> so funny to me. It's true. Oh when man, you know it's interesting. I was thinking about this on the way over. Like, um, you know, we these. I love that you do this podcast because I, I wonder if you have variations of the same kind of conversation all the time where yes a, a person loves a thing and they tell you why they love a thing but it often comes back to like it, uh when they found it and what oh, they yeah, needed absolutely. from it you yeah, know yeah. <clears throat> and i think it's interesting to me that this musical bridge like bridges high school and college for me mm-hmm. you know and i i don't I can't I can't think of anything else that that did that I found it toward the end of high school and deeply loved it and then it was part it it, it stayed with me and it was part and like one of the most uh intense theater experiences I've ever had was finally getting to see it when I was in college you know and it just it was this bridge of in between me being 17 and 18 or 19 you know and like tur- like going from child to adult yeah. and from you know a high school kid in Florida to like on my own in New York City you know and yeah, it's just completely. Yeah, it's interesting no, it, it to realize that, sense. and I didn't know, I didn't think about it in those terms until like this bus ride over here today. When I was like, <laughs> "What is it about this musical?" Yeah, <laughs> and that was wow. It, it, yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I, I find people have a gut instinct for what show they want to do and don't mm. quite understand exactly. Oh, I love how that. important it is. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, until you start really picking it apart and talking yeah. about. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's an excuse to talk about something else. The, yeah. the shows are all springboards to other things. Um, huh. Yeah, I, I really, I, I think it's. I mean, it just, it just happened at Signature, uh, so it's kind of coming back around again. It seems. I was really glad to see that um, they did it actually, because it's not one that people do a lot. You know, no, like there are a few that are. You know, well, there isn't. It's it's a funny thing about like. I was talking to somebody. Oh, so I was talking to Lauren Halverson about Wild Party. And she she prefers the the Broadway version. I prefer the off Broadway version. But the off Broadway version, the Lippa gets done more. And we were trying to figure out why. And one of the mm. things we stuck on was the fact that that show has songs for individual actors. There's show there's like several showstoppers. So okay. like I can cast you as this character because you know you get to sing that song. Mm-mm. The other one does not. The other one is very ensemble mm. and kind of flows through itself and has very few breakout songs for 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 actors. And this show has very few breakout songs yeah. for actors. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it is a very ensemble piece. Yeah. And it's as a result, I think unless you know you've got 20 people who can all kind of carry the show, hmm. it wouldn't you wouldn't pick it for your season. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Even though it has tremendous name recognition. Right. Um I think that aside from like Brian Darcy James character uh, uh Barrett aside and Andrews aside, 
the, it, it, that, the, the rest of the characters kind of, there's great songs for everybody, but everybody's only really got one song. Yeah. And they're not, again, show-stopping, comedic, or just dramatic moments. They're all just really nice, dr- quiet, wonderful theatrical moments. Yeah. And that's great, but it doesn't bring in stars. It doesn't bring right, in names. Right. And so it's not going to come up in your season. Until somebody like Eric Schaefer says, we're doing Titanic. Right. And then you can go, oh, okay, we're doing Titanic. Mm, but everything you said, I think, is exactly why, you know, then then they... they go back 17 years later in a little room and right, do one and do it song again. and the entire cast is all crying. You know, because like they, it was so a thing they made together. <laughs> I don't know of any college productions because it's a little too difficult for a high school, I think, I bet the technical do. aspects keep people away too. You know, I yeah. think it's what you said plus like, I mean, the... Um, I'm sure there are plenty, I think personally, there are plenty of ways to do anything to make any magic happen on a stage. This falls under the heading but... of like huge Broadway musicals I'd love to see in a black box. That's the thing, right? Like yeah. the Because the, the Broadway version set such a bar in like building a, a mechanical ship that did sink. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, it was pretty stunning. If You, you can so, see video of the original Broadway yeah. production of The Blame and they are performing on like a like a 30 degree angle yeah. or a 20 degree canter. It, it's... You know, the ship is sinking and they're all, everyone's tilted. So I wonder if everyone thinks like, well, we, I mean, we can't do, you know, we can't do that. We, you know, yeah. we're like, right, you're right. I would love to see the black box version to too. We with, should. With 20, 30, I mean, maybe happen. or three quarter thrust or something where it's not, you imply. Because the boats. Oh, you, you could do it with boats the bodies. Sinking. Everyone knows you know? the boat's sinking. You oh, don't yeah. Need to you've already got stage. it working for yeah. you that everyone knows you're on a boat and they know it's going to sink. They even know how it sinks. Come on. I mean, right. everyone's seen the footage of like it goes up, it breaks in half. You know, right. like we know how it happened. Yeah. It's so part, it's so like a cultural, you iconic spend, thing. You spend enough choreography rehearsals of people practicing falling down at the same time. We, you know. It could be quite beautiful, Absolutely. actually. You know, like the, the choreo for that, for making it a, a body and movement based show. Yeah, let's I do think it. could be stunning. You and uh, me. I'm let's do it. No, yeah, no set. I'll start working on my voice. I'm so excited. <laughs> we'll get it right. This was great, Tia. Yay! Thank you so much for coming down and doing this. It's a fun, it's a fun, one. nice conversation. What do you have going on that people can see you in or follow you in? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm writing a show right now that's about to be um, produced at Arts on the Horizon. So it's it's ah. for um, two to five year olds and their families. Oh, okay. Um. So. If, of course, anyone who has little ones in the area, please bring them. But really, I love I I love for my adult friends to go see this work. And frankly, I think anyone who's a friend of mine has the right <laughs> heart <laughs> and imagination to enjoy a show like this. Mm-hmm. So it's called um, it's called Outside the Lines, and two amazing local performers are going to be in it. It's um, uh, Dallas Tolentino and Moriamo Akabu. Okay. So in- an incredible duo who All are right. very um, physically gifted and and like lovely souls. Um, and they play these pen pals. It's a nonverbal show, and I wrote it for pen pals. Oh, all right. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> but they play these pen pals, so you're sort of watching them almost on a split screen in front of you. Um, and they're, um, it's their, their, uh, they don't quite fit into the worlds that they live in, and, and um, they sort of envy the other's world, and they find a way to sort of be, briefly be together and, and pull from the other's world to create something that feels more at home for them. So it's very much about like not necessarily being fully at home in your body, um, but connecting with someone else and, and, and learning and learning through someone else to be more you. Hmm. Um, yeah, but it's through this exchange of, of mail and letters and bits of sharing bits of themselves in their world with another that brings them closer to themselves. And where's that going to be? It's at Arts on the Horizon, um, or it's through Arts on the Horizon, it plays at a place called The Lab at Convergence. Oh, sure. Um, which is in uh, Alexandria. Mm-hmm. It runs April 12th to April 28th. 
Um, That'll be running right now when the show comes out. Oh, hooray! There's, there's, Yay! There's, yeah. So artsonthehorizon.org is where you can find out more. It's called Outside the Lines. Now playing. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts from the convenience of your iPhone and or check out the original cast on Stitcher if that's how you get down. My thanks to Tia Shearer Bassett for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal.